Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Ride Podcast. This is episode two of season two, and we have an exciting interview lined up for you guys. But first off, we want to dive into some current events. Yeah, so not a lot is happening. Obviously, the you know the country is shut down due to coronavirus, so we have been sheltering in place. Michaela and I are in the studio today together, but we are six feet apart, social distancing. But not a lot is happening in the horse industry. Uh, most of the events have been shut down, postponed. You know, everybody's staying at home. I'm not fortunate enough to have my horse in my backyard. I don't actually own a horse. I, I ride at a barn close to the office, and they have shut down their property to the public, rightfully so. Um, and then, you know, Michaela is lucky. You have your horses in your backyard. So yeah. not a lot's changed for you, minus the fact that you can't go barrel race. Yeah, I can't compete, but I'm still able to go out and ride the horses. And I feel like I have so much more free time on my hands that I am spending more time out at the barn. I know yesterday it was such a nice day that I just went out and braided my horse's mane. It just seemed like a fun thing to do because I had already ridden for the day. I had already watched my fair share of Netflix. Uh, if you guys have any horse-related movies or TV shows that we need to check out, be sure to message us on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to have more things to do other than just cleaning tack. I have cleaned my horse trailer. I think yesterday was the third time that I went out there to reorganize it. So it's getting a hefty cleaning and organization. So yeah, I think that's been a huge thing that we have all been doing is the cleaning. I know I went I don't have a tack room because obviously I am not I don't have a horse right now, but I keep all of my Western tack in my garage. And so it was a really great time for me to go through and, you know, get rid of stuff that I don't want anymore, don't use. And um, I have a couple more things that I'm going to list for sale. So there's ways for me to keep doing what I need to be doing through all of this and, you know, not getting to sit on the back of a horse right now, but I can sell some old tack and, and save some money to, you know, put towards the horses whenever it's it's clear to go outside again. Yeah, I've been selling some tack too. And if you aren't sure on how to properly clean your tack or you don't know where to list your tack for sale, Nicole has actually written some articles on Horse and Rider that you should go and check out. She gives great advice on how to do it, where to do it, all the things you need to know. And we also have a daily newsletter going out that provides all kinds of daily tips and things to do. Nicole is really on top of those things so be sure to sign up for those newsletters to get your daily dose of horse content yeah and we're trying to you know we're trying to do fun things like trivia so that you know it's it's not just all sad news because I feel like there's a lot of that going on right now every time you go online I know on Facebook it's it's one thing after another and it, it gets a little much after a while so we just want to um offer some you know lightheartedness and we want to offer tips for people who have their horses at home and who are fortunate enough to quarantine with them but then also tips for people like myself who can't go to the barn right now are stuck at home I know that I've been using a lot of Kelly Altschweiger who owns Western Workout I've been doing a lot of her fitness stuff because I don't want to get out of shape even though I can't ride and um, so there's a lot of things you can do at home even if you are stuck without your horse but yeah, that, that's kind of what we're doing. There's not a lot of current events going on right now just because coronavirus is 
is the main event at the moment, unfortunately. The virtual horse shows that we kind of touched base on uh, a couple weeks ago have skyrocketed. I think the Facebook group that I am a part of has now like over 10,000 people in it. Holy cow. Yeah, and I've seen videos from people riding their gypsy banners in an equitation class to, you know, people just pulling out a horse from their pasture that they don't normally show, but they just... They wanted to do something with the community. So those are expanding a lot. And we actually, in our interview today, we talked to somebody who is trying to figure out ways to to bring virtual content to people who are stuck at home. Yeah, I think that you guys will really enjoy this episode because it's not so much focusing on the training aspect and different things that we would normally dive into with some interviewees. We focus more on things that you can do at home, even if you don't have a horse. Uh, Our interviewee, Taylor, she does a great job sharing her stories and sharing what she does and why she does it. And she's a friend of Nicole's, so that makes this conversation that much more interesting. Yeah, and like when I reached out to Taylor, it wasn't necessarily a, you're my friend, let's put you on the podcast. It was, she's doing some really cool things. She's really heavily involved with Heroes and Horses, which works with PTSD veterans. She works with kids with disabilities. She has a really big background with just working with different people through the community, but she also has a horse show background. So she's she's very well-rounded in the horse community, and she's doing some really cool stuff digitally on social media in San Francisco area. And I just think that, you know, she has some really, really inspiring stories to tell And there's a few times in the interview where Michaela says that she's on the verge of tearing up because some of these stories really hit close to home. Yeah, so if you're wanting uplifting, inspiring thing to listen to, this interview is definitely one of those things. The times right now can be a little rough, so we hope that this interview shines a little bit of light on the happy things and the great things that horses can do for us outside of performing and competing. Hey guys, we're back and today we are interviewing Taylor Singmaster, who is the owner of Eck Wellness, which is an equestrian company in California and she does all things equestrian, which we'll get into here in a minute. But first we'd like to do a little lightning round with our interviewees so that we can kind of get to know them. So I think Michaela has the list ready to go. Yeah, so hey Taylor, we want to know what your favorite snack. My favorite snack is definitely anything chocolate. Good call. (laughs) Next one. Biggest pet peeve at the barn. Oh my gosh. My Stanford team could easily tell you guys what this is when people do not hang their reins up correctly. I like that one. I come from a (laughs) barn where it was like, if you didn't hang the reins up correctly, you had to clean the entire tack room. So it's just so easy. It's so easy. <laughs> okay. Favorite famous horse. It can be dead, alive, someone you know, some like a totally different industry. Okay. So this one is, uh, well, my favorite horse is my horse, Bentley, who's obviously famous, at least in my mind. But my favorite horse right now is a Mustang that's at Sky Dog Sanctuary. 
Her name's Ember and she is a curly Mustang and she is so majestic. You should definitely check her out on Instagram. She's so cool. Does she have an Instagram following? She does not have her own following, but Skydog Sanctuary is a Mustang Sanctuary and they have a huge following and she's one of the ones that's featured all the time. Cool. So everybody go check out Taylor's favorite horse. <laughs> so last TV show that you watched. And I'm sure with coronavirus, you've had lots a of time lot to of catch, up, catch up. Um, last night, Jake and I watched Hustlers, the movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> great female empowerment. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I want to watch it. JLo is pretty amazing. Love JLo. And then last one. Best advice that you have ever received okay so this is the one that at least sticks in my head the best so I would consider that the best advice um my dad used to always say that it is better to be a little fish in a big pond than a big fish in a little pond and that's something that has really stuck with me love it your dad always had really good advice. I, I was fortunate enough to know Taylor's dad and he was entertaining. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Nicole and I have known each other for, yeah, almost two decades. Yeah, and um, anyway, like, so to go into the actual interview, the reason why I reached out to Taylor outside of the fact that we are friends and have known each other for a really long time, we have both left the horse show industry to like venture out into our own horse career paths almost without just going the professional horse trainer route. Um, you know, like we're, I'm with horse and rider obviously, but Taylor actually created this really cool equestrian company called Equ Wellness. And you probably could do a better job explaining it. So why don't you let our listeners know exactly what it is that you do? Awesome. Yeah. So I was actually thinking that exact same thing, Nicole. So it's funny that you made that connection as well. But yeah, so I live out here in California. I moved out here from the East Coast. And when I got here, I was really interested in therapeutic riding. And I was, I was working as a therapeutic riding instructor. And I also became one of the coaches at Stanford Equestrian. But what I was noticing was that all of the different jobs I had were the creation of other ideas and other people. And I really wanted to put them all together because I was finding so many awesome ties between them. And I really wanted to create my own program where I could put these diverse experiences together and teach kids and adults sim in similar situations that I've been in you know, and inspire them towards things like self-discovery and healing through this partnership of horses. How did you originally get involved with the, the therapeutic riding and just that, you know, being able to express emotions with a horse? Because obviously the horse show world is a little different from that, but like, how did you end up on this path? Yeah, so my, the full story is pretty long. And uh, so I'll give you the abbreviated version. But basically, when I was in college, I was on my equestrian team. Um, back then, it was NCAA, back when Nicole and I were cool, uh, now NCEA. And I had a really rough freshman year. So in six months, Nicole and I both lost a good friend, a person that we showed horses with. And then that winter, my horse passed away, and my dog died. It's like a country song. <laughs> And then um, a few months later, my dad passed away in an unexpected accident. 
And that was super, you know, you can imagine that there were a lot, there was a lot more to that, right? Other than just losing my dad, it also shook up my whole family dynamic. It changed the way we lived. Um, I ended up selling most of my horses, except for my horse Bentley, who I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. And I was in college and I was in college for photography and I came home during the summer and I started hanging out at a new barn where Bentley had moved and their son, Jack, he has Down syndrome. And we started just hanging out and I was babysitting him and him and his brothers and sisters and just was like a whole new world for me. He, I had never really known anyone with a disability and he just had this amazing way of showing me that life was still really beautiful amongst all this tragedy. And we could just do really fun things like play with sidewalk chalk and blow bubbles and go ride the horses. And we just had so much fun. And because of that, I got involved in a community for adults with Down syndrome. And I started helping them by doing some marketing for them, doing some photography, some videography, doing some social media stuff. And that led to me leading a weekend, we called it an adventure at the barn. So we had about 12 young adults with Down syndrome come to the barn with everyone was paired with a peer. And we camped and we rode and we just hung out and I, some amazing things happened, including a 22 year old who was dual diagnosed with autism and Down syndrome said his first full sentence because of the horses. So I just saw some really cool stuff happen that weekend. And I remember like laying in the tent and being like, I could do this forever. And now I do. (laughs) That's awesome. And how life changing is it to be around a person who is an adult, but has never spoken before, right? Cause you said he was 22. Yeah. Yeah. And then to like witness, you know, the horses just helping him and like, it's, it's totally life-changing. And I don't know about you, Michaela, but I, I love the horse show world and I am, you know, super competitive, but there's so much more to horses than showing. And I think that is a huge thing is like this therapeutic riding. We actually interviewed a different therapeutic riding center that's local to us two weeks ago. And it's insane how much that horses can help someone. Yeah. Yeah. What I really started noticing was that I I saw myself in these situations, right? And I can go back to, you know, I can speak for Nicole and I, right? I I went back to thinking about being kids and having these kind of hard times, even, you know, nothing as hard as not being able to speak at 22 years old. But, you know, the hard stuff that we dealt with just that everyone deals with growing up, right? Boys and friends and school and parents driving you crazy. And then bigger things like my dad dying or Alex passing away, right? Like that we dealt with as a community. And I can look back and I can see how the horses got us all through that stuff, right? And tied us all together. Yeah, we're all so lucky to have those therapeutic animals in our barn. So to be able to make a career out of that is absolutely amazing. I mean, what Nicole and I do is a lot of fun, but what you do is hands-on helping people. And when you told that story, I got chills because it's just, wow, what a horse can do. Yeah, it's, it's super special. And I was kind of in the same situation where I was really working behind the scenes a lot. And I sort of saw an opportunity, like, I want to, I want to be the one doing it. And 
sometimes I think I go back and forth, right? Sometimes it's like, wow, now I want to be the one who gets to share the stories. So uh, Nicole and I have that in common too, right? An interest in photography and art and things like that. So I, I think both jobs are pretty special. <laughs> yeah, we're really fortunate to be able to stay in the horse industry without going the professional horse trainer route, which a lot of people think is the only way that you can stay connected to the industry as an adult. And yeah. we love interviewing people like you who are doing different things and taking the horse industry and thinking outside of the box, how you can help more people be around horses. So, so let's, that was on the East coast still, that was when you were in college, when you first got involved with the, you know, children with down syndrome and, you know, working with uh, people with disabilities, you moved to the West coast where you are currently living. What brought you that way? Yeah. So honestly, just crazy circumstances. I was living in Brooklyn and I was unhappy. Um, I was actually trying to get a job with a full-time job with the organization I was talking about with the adults with Down syndrome. And I didn't get the job. I lost out in the last interview and I was heartbroken. (laughs) And I just thought it was the end. Through some family connections, found a path to California. And I came out here just to visit, just to check it out. And totally just, it just all felt really right. And it felt like a really big, exciting move. I kind of have jumped around a lot. I've lived in Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Maine, Boston, Brooklyn, and now California. So at first I was sort of like, oh man, I've moved a lot. I need to stop running around. But as horse show kids, we're super used to just being on the go and trying new things. So it it always felt pretty natural for me to be on the move. But once I got here and I committed to staying here, I just was able to make such an amazing community. Like my clients and the people I've met through the barns here are incredible. My bosses are so cool. And I've really just found a a really special community. I have basically three different barns that I work at. Um, Technically two barns, but three different organizations. So I work at BOK Ranch, which is a therapeutic riding center in Woodside, California. And we are a PATH accredited center. And that's where I do my therapeutic riding. I'm also the volunteer coordinator at BOK. And all three of my horses live at BOK Ranch. And my program, F Wellness, runs out of BOK Ranch. So I'm super lucky to have an awesome boss who saw that I had this idea and let me run with it under her roof. So that's really special. And then I also work at Stanford Equestrian, which is right down the street, which is, oh man, their facility is so cool. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Stanford was originally a horse barn before it was a college. So they, they raised standard breads. So it's actually the original Stanford building. And my boss there, Vanessa was on the team. And then she was the person who helped save and resurrect the red barn so it's the historic red barn and it's just the coolest facility that was one of the cool points that nicole mentioned i was like wow not only does she do all of these other cool things but she's also a coach for the stanford equestrian team it's not often that we get to speak with coaches yeah, so I think I said already that I was on my team in college, and that was a NCEA, NCAA, whatever you call it these days, team. And when I went to school, 
riding had always been an individual sport. And I loved that I suddenly had these 35 best friends. And I loved that I finally got to make these really strong female connections, especially when I was showing, I was mainly showing in the Western pleasure and doing a lot of the NSBA. And I definitely just didn't have, I mean, I had Nicole <laughs> and we had some great friends, but we all lived all over the place. And like, this is how Nicole and I talked, right? Like this is very normal for our conversations to have a computer screen between us. And that was so special that we, we were lucky to ha even have that, you know, generations before us didn't, but it was so cool when I finally went to college and I had friends that lived in the same room as me, it was really fun. And when I moved out to California, I had kind of forgotten about that experience, honestly, um, with college being behind me. And I had gone to grad school at this point and I was really interested in my art and I wasn't really thinking about riding anymore. And I wasn't really thinking about competitive riding anymore. So I actually found out about the Stanford team through um, another person that we used to show with. And she had ridden on their team. And it's an IHSA team, which is a club team. And I kind of didn't, wasn't that interested at first. It wasn't the same as what I had done. It was, you know, different. And some people look at it as less competitive. But what I found was once I finally talked myself into going and just giving it a try, these kids were so cool. And most of them didn't have the horse show experience that I had had. These are like kids that grew up just loving horses, kids that grew up, maybe their mom had a horse that they rode. Uh, one girl that we have on the team right now, she has never had a professional lesson in her life, but she's trained two Mustangs by herself. We have a barrel racer on the team. We've got girls that rode English that just weren't quite the right kind of competitive for the English team, switch over to Western. And what's so cool about the IHSA is that your open rainer, which is the highest level, their points count exactly the same as your beginner walk jog kit. So I loved the camaraderie that created that or that that created. And I just thought it, it really, it bred this perfect scenario for these kids from all over the country, from all different backgrounds to meet in this place and become friends because of the horses, which is really what it's all about, right? <laughs> for sure. And I feel like from what you just described, it's essentially the same idea of your business because exactly. as you know, you're building up these young college riders and yet you're also building up these children and women with equipment. Yeah. And I also think that something really important that we learn when we have horses in our life at, at a young age is work ethic and dedication and how to stay true to commitments you make. Right. I, there's, have you guys seen that TV show, The Ranch with Ashton Kutcher? Yeah. Okay. So there's this one line where his dad, it's Christmas Eve and Ashton Kutcher's character says to the dad, he's like, oh, so we get to sleep in tomorrow. Right. And his dad says, the cows don't know it's Christmas. And that just like sticks in my mind all the time because the horses don't know that you had a final this morning. The horses don't know that you were out too late with your friends last night. You know, the horses don't know that you're tired. 
they still the horses don't know that there's a pandemic going on right now right right they they still need to be cared for and that that comes first and I, I see it I see it teaching all of these people so much and while my business does focus on women and young mostly younger girls I, I teach everyone, right? I still get these college age kids. We have boys and girls on the team. I still get to work with all these different demographics. I, I work with the kids with disabilities, but also I work with like a, a demographic that I would just qualify as normal kids going through hard stuff, right? A, a normal kid going through a hard day can't get therapeutic riding, but they can go to a place, they can go to a barn, right? Or a lesson program and get that same kind of emotional therapy. I'm just more in tune with it and I'm more focused on it than a typical horse show barn might be, right? That's a that's a secondary factor for a horse show barn, right? We just get, you just get that because you're lucky and because you hopefully have a great trainer and a great horse. But it's what I focus on. That's awesome. Let's go into Equ Wellness a little more. Um- you focus on the women and children. What is your demographic exactly? Are you working with at-risk kids? Are you working with the general population? Who's at your barn? Yeah. So that's a really interesting question that I've actually thought about myself a lot, right? Who am I marketing towards? And when I first started, I just sort of opened it up to everyone. And truly what I have found is because of the way my website's set up, because of the way I talk, because of the way my Instagram looks, the right people tend to find me. And when we have those conversations, either on the phone or via email, I know right off the bat if someone is a good fit. And usually what will happen is a kid will come to my barn, we'll start riding, we'll start doing this whole thing, and slowly their hearts start to open up, right? And they start talking, and they trust me, and they trust the horses. And I learn every single kid in this program has gone through something that wasn't easy. And that doesn't mean that they came, like I said, it doesn't mean, you know, that they came for therapeutic riding or for that purpose, but I've found that it's kids that have been sick or kids that have lost a parent or kids that have a really hard time making friends or kids that have a sibling who is sick or something like that. So that's, I, sometimes I call them the quirky kids and mostly that's because I, that's how I would have you know, labeled myself growing up, right? I wasn't that interested in friends. I wasn't that interested in play dates. I wasn't that interested. All I wanted to do was go to the barn. And, you know, I really feel like I have that extra layer of communication with horses where when I'm with my horse, that's when I feel most connected to myself. That's when I feel most connected to the people around me. That's when it's easiest for me to have friends and have community. And I I see that in these kids too. That's really special. And then not not only the kids, but you have three really important horses that are helping in this journey, right? And one of them is actually Taylor's old show horse, who she won the quarter course Congress with. So he's, he had a really successful horse show career and now he has a totally new career. Can you kind of talk about the, cause uh, one of the other horses is a, is an ex-rainer, correct? Both of the other two are ex-rainers. Yeah. So, So Go, can you elaborate more on like transitioning from the horse show world to this industry? Yeah. So that was actually something that I initially was pretty passionate about and I haven't totally played out yet, but this idea that these horse show horses work so hard for us and they can get this awesome second 
step in their life, right? Where they're just loved on by these kids. I mean, all of my kids that have phones, all of their backgrounds are my horses, all of them, you know, I get text messages from parents that are like, look at this report. So-and-so wrote about Wes or Buck or Bentley. And it's, you know, it's my favorite. But so Bentley is my horse that, like Nicole said, I won the Quarter Horse Congress on a very long time ago, 2007. Is that the same year you won? No, I was 2006. Oh, you're even further back. Yeah, we were back to back. (laughs) And so I've had Bentley actually since he was six months old and he's 18 now, which is so cool. And when I first got him, he actually broke his leg in the trailer on his way home to me. And so we've had an interesting life together. Uh, we, I'm the first person that ever sat on his back and I plan to be the last. We showed together my whole youth career. Like Nicole said, we were really lucky to be super successful. We won the NSBA world too. And we never had the best luck at the AQHA world, but we did make the finals a couple of times. So that's cool. And when my dad passed away, he got moved to the therapeutic riding barn that I was talking about where Jack lived, the little boy that I was talking about who has Down syndrome. Ironically, Bentley's show name is Jack Drova Bentley. He's a Zippo Jack bar. (laughs) And so he lived there for a few years and that's where he kind of became a horse, right? He started going in the turnout and he started getting friends and like growing a hair coat and not being such a show horse. And I moved to California and I, I bought two other horses. I bought Wes, who is a Palomino. He's a reigning horse. And he, he was really special or he is really special because he was sort of the first horse that I kind of did on my own, right? I went to see him by myself. I picked him out by myself. I got him from Dave and Becky Hansen, who are awesome reigning trainers here in California. And after I got Wes, they called me about a year later and they were like, listen, we have this horse. He's so cool. He's so talented, but he's hurt. And he's, we've been trying to fix him for two years, but he, he just, he limps. He's got this injury and there's nothing wrong with him. It's totally healed, but he can't stop limping. It's, it's almost like he's, he, he's changed the way he moves because of the injury to protect his body. And so they were like, you know, as a show horse, he's useless, but he's this awesome horse. So that's how I ended up with Buck. So he's my little buckskin horse. And he is, we call him Buckaroo the Wonder Pony or Buckaroo the Wonder Horse because he can go from being a full out psycho, like bucking as he can kick his legs over his head. He is so flexible, so bendy, so insane. We always say that if Disney would have met him before they met the model for spirit, they would have chosen him because he is just everything crazy. And then you can literally put a four-year-old with cerebral palsy who has no use of her legs on his back. And he just puts his head down and walks in a circle. He's just, he's smart like that. So I had both of them out here, but it just felt ridiculous that Bentley was living on the East coast and I wasn't getting home that much and he's 18 he's getting older and I was just like I will never forgive myself if I don't make this happen so I rallied together a bunch of money and shipped him across which was a horrible experience he was in a trailer accident he ended up delayed it was supposed to take three days it took three and a half weeks 
it was an awful, awful experience. I ended up actually having to get a friend to pick him up in Arizona. Luckily, I have friends in lots of states. And they picked him up on the side of the road because there was a trailer accident and they couldn't get him out. And uh, he got to me and he was super underweight and he looked horrible. But I will, you know, people ask me all the time. My clients ask me all the time, does my horse remember me? Do they love me? And I have no great proof of that, except for when Bentley's trailer pulled into the horse park where BOK Ranch and my horses all live. I said, I called out, I call him Bubba and I've always called him Bubba. And I said, Bubba, you're home. And he started whinnying. And I, two of my best friends were there and they can attest, I almost died. (laughs) I like totally broke down and was just like, oh my God, he knows. And he got off that trailer. Nicole, you might remember he's a little fiery and he looked around, looked at me and just put his head down and walked right into his stall. Like, okay, I'm here with you now. And it was the coolest. I love that. And I, I think uh, California, who wouldn't want to retire in, exactly. in the San Francisco area? Exactly. <laughs> He's living his best life. Like, he was what? used to the East Coast where it was cold and snowy in the winter. And now he's just living his best life in California. Okay. This winter was so funny because everything else in the barn. So our, our horses live in stalls, but they have really nice turnouts. And Bentley doesn't like his stall anymore. He only will go and turn out. He, if he goes in his stall, he weaves. <laughs> which he doesn't do anywhere else. Um, So it was so funny this winter. He would be outside in the rain, refuse to come in. Like I could not bring him in. He would just get so upset. All the other horses are totally blown out hair coats, so puffy. And Bentley is like sweating out there. (laughs) And he just looks at them all like, guys, you have no clue. (laughs) Living his best life. Yeah. Um, but there's another horse now that is also in your life. And maybe we should backtrack a little bit to how you got involved with Mustangs. Yes. Um, and and uh, that, that's it. That's a huge conversation right now. People have a lot of opinions on Mustangs. There has been some really cool documentaries that have come out lately to kind of, you know, show how Mustangs are great horses. But you got involved through Heroes and Horses. Can you kind of break that down for us? I mean, it's not like you're already busy doing five other things, but you're also involved with Heroes and Horses. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're going to have to be on this call for a long time. (laughs) So Heroes and Horses is an incredibly cool organization that I actually found through Justin Timberlake, (laughs) my dear friend. (laughs) My dear friend, Justin Timberlake. (laughs) Shout out. Yeah. So Justin Timberlake is a supporter of this program called Heroes and Horses. And I happened to see it on his Instagram. And I was like, oh, Justin Timberlake likes horses. This is cool. So I, to backtrack even before me and Justin, um, I had found a therapeutic riding barn in California, or obviously, that was working with veterans and they needed some extra help. So this is not the same barn that I typically work at. I got sort of recruited as a contractor to do this program with vets and I had a really fun time. The veterans that I worked with at this other program, it it was just, they had never experienced horses and it was just kind of taking them on some trail rides. And it wasn't so much them that inspired me, but it was their VA leader. He was just so interesting and he taught me so much about 
these veterans and their, you know, their needs and the way people treat them. And I was really inspired to dig deeper. And so when I saw Justin Timberlake's Instagram about this movie called 500 Miles, I checked it out. And so a dear friend of mine here in California, Jenna and I watched this movie and both of us like bawling the whole time because it was just so inspirational. And we just looked at each other and we were like, we gotta go. So 500 Miles is a little quick documentary about Heroes and Horses, which is a program that uses the, the wild terrain and mountains of Montana, wild, once wild Mustangs and mules, and gives combat veterans that are suffering from PTSD a new lease on life, basically. And what I love about the program is that they are not interested in holding your hand. They're not interested in, you know, bubble wrapping the situation. They are interested in giving these heroes their warrior mentality back. And what they say to these guys is that you are stronger, you are smarter, you are better, do better. And what I love about that is that that's what these guys want, right? They, there's an amazing Ted talk that the founder of Heroes and Horses, Micah Fink does. And he's a veteran. He was a SEAL. And so special forces, which is, you know, that's big time. And he talks about how when he got back, he was standing in like a Trader Joe's aisle with lettuce and cheddar Annie's bunnies. And he was like, what is my life? Uh, you know, I was saving the world and now here I am in a grocery store and Montana has this way of teaching you about your strength and about your resilience and Mustangs don't take anybody's, you know, they don't, they don't take anybody's anger. They don't take anybody's emotions, right? They, these horses are as new as 60 days in a training program when the guys meet them. So they're still pretty wild. After I saw this movie, I applied to volunteer and I was accepted into the program, which was also not an easy process. They do a phone, you do a phone interview with the head wrangler and you have to kind of get, jump through a bunch of hoops. And uh, they, they always make fun of me, the guys there, because when I first called, I was just like, nope, I'm coming. I'm, I'll do it. Tell me what I have to do. I'll figure it out. I'll learn. I, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's ever studied to go to Heroes and Horses <laughs> to volunteer. So it's a, they do a lot of packing. So like pack trips, like with mules and, you know, different animals. And I know nothing about packing. You're right. I'm like, I can ride a horse. I can teach a guy to ride a horse. Like that part's fine. I had never ridden a Mustang. I had never packed a mule. So I was like on the internet 24 seven, like Googling all the different packs and all the different knots and like trying to learn them before I got there. I'm going to tell you this, it doesn't help, <laughs> but, but I tried. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of how I found the program. And then once you get there, you have to do another riding test, which is nerve wracking. But uh, yeah, the program is absolutely life-changing. Uh, for not just the veterans, but it was life-changing for me. It's it's really what pushed me to start Ec Wellness. So you kind of touched on a little bit of a story on a packing trip 
with Nicole via text. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that experience? Um, I feel like you want to hear about the time I got run over. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be it. <laughs> so we actually were not out in the in on a trail or anything. We were actually just back at the base camp. Which is not um, any more embarrassing. Yeah, not at all. Not at all worse. Um, And, you know, here I am, like, halfway into this, feeling pretty cool, feeling pretty baller that I'm the only chick. I'm, like, by far, you know, they had... I roll into Montana, right, in my, like, shiny Jeep. Me and my best friend, both with, like, our hair curled. And I'm like, hey, (laughs) y'all! Right? And... I, I, you know, I get there and it's like 20 gigantically huge veterans, right? And like cowboys. Burly dudes. We are literally the only two girls and they're just like, oh God, they're from California, right? These guys are all from Montana and Texas. And I, I know that there were some, some uh, questions about our abilities. (laughs) And then I get on and I pass the riding test and they're like, okay, cool. She can hang like, this is cool. So I'm feeling real good about myself, right? Talking up all the time about, you know, I, when I was younger, I helped train all these horses, feeling really cool. And then they hand me this mule to hold. <laughs> and I had my spurs on and I was standing there holding her and everything was fine. And they go to put one of the panniers on her side, which is like the big boxes that they wear. And he picks it up and he kind of drops it on her side. And <laughs> she took off. And I was standing right in front of her, exactly where you're not supposed to stand where you hold, when you hold a horse, right? But sometimes uh, we forget these things. And she hit me with her head, and my spurs got caught together, and I couldn't step anywhere. And so I fell, and she ran me over, and I had a black and blue mule print on my butt for the next six weeks. <laughs> and... One of the cowboys goes, are you okay? And one of the other ones goes, not supposed to stand in front of a horse, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Just rubbing salt in the wound there. Yeah, that was great. That was a good day. That I definitely uh, still haven't lived that down. But I can tell you I had a lot of other really incredible experiences that were much more inspirational. One of my favorite stories that I have to just like sneak in here is that on the very first day before any of the veterans were there, the founder and all the Wranglers took us out on this test drive, right? So we had to show that we could take the Mustangs into a big wide open field because, you know, it's not just riding in an arena, right? It's, it's a lot different. And uh, we had to show that we could take them from a walk to a jog, to a posting trot, to a lope, to a gallop, and then one rain stopped them at the end. And, um, We had to kind of do it in this very specific way that they wanted to see, which was great and went fine. It was nerve wracking, but it went fine. And uh, after that, they were like, okay, let's go on a trail ride. So we literally just like raced these horses up this mountain. It was so much fun. Probably the coolest ride I've ever been on like to date. And when we got to the top, the founder, Micah, he just kind of stopped all of us and was like, I want you to look around, right? And so we're on the top of this mountain. There's not a car or person in sight. There's like hawks soaring, there's sagebrush all around, like the exact Western you can imagine, right? 
And he was just like, I want you to look around and I want you to remember that these guys, they're going to tick you off. They're going to, they, they're going to push you away. They're going to not listen to you. They're go, the horses are going to bother you. You might get bucked off. You might get trampled by a mule, right? You, you're going to be tired. You're going to wake up at 5 a.m. You're not going to go to bed till midnight. You're going to work the whole time. You're not going to eat the best. You know, he kind of listed off all the bad things. And he goes, and every time that you feel like going home or giving up, I want you to ride your horse back up here. And I want you to look at this land. And I want you to remember that we wouldn't have any of it if it wasn't for these guys. These guys that literally gave up their life. A lot of these guys coming to us, I mean, they were in situations where they were they were ready to commit suicide, right? This is a last ditch effort. They don't, they don't take people into this program that don't really, really need it. And he just, he just told us, you know, come up here and remember what they fought for and now what you're fighting for. And that is another thing that really sticks with me. Yeah, my heart is racing. And like, I, I'm sure Nicole can tell, like I have some like tears in my eyes from listening to you talk about that. Yeah, it's really it, inspiring. And you can tell that it, it means a lot to you. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it, cha- it completely changes their life, which is so special, but it also really changed my life. And at the end of that, that week, that first week, um, so I've, I've only been there twice. I've volunteered twice in 2018, 2019. But at the end of that first week, I remember before the guys were about to go out on their first real long trip, Micah and I were sitting, I helped drive all the trailers out and Mike and I were sitting there and he said, so you're going home now. What are you going to do? And I was like, well, that's a heavy question. And he was like, no, seriously. You were here, you had this experience, you saw what we're doing, now what are you going to do? And that's truly, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to start my own business. <laughs> so that was, it was truly the catalyst for like the idea that like we have the power to do something bigger and we, there's no reason to be scared. You know, there's no reason to not invest the money. There's no reason to, you, you can always start over and, you know, starting my own horseback riding business doesn't sound like the most lucrative or the most glamorous job but I've seen it change these kids lives the same way I've seen heroes and horses change these veterans lives and it's it's really because of that moment and then on top of that because of the support I had when I came home from my community from my my mom my you know my family my boyfriend and his family all these people I have in my life that really said no it's okay you can do this that's awesome. And if you do the the um, Montana trip again in 2020, maybe we can figure out a way to do like a blog series or something because that would be totally. really, really cool to follow you. Um, but uh, on top of that, so you you had your first introduction to Mustangs from this journey into Montana, but you've recently adopted one, correct? Yeah. yeah, so sort of. So through Heroes and Horses. So Heroes and Horses started this thing this year called the Mustang Legacy Program. And it's a really awesome opportunity for people like me who are interested in helping the program on a deeper level to help them acquire more horses for their herds. So what they they get all of their horses from the BLM and this year they needed 10 more. So they went and they picked up these 10 horses from Burns, Oregon uh, from their BLM station there. And people were encouraged to um, adopt or sponsor the Mustangs. So I decided to turn this into like a multifaceted project. So 
I didn't just fork over the money. I actually got my whole community involved and through what, what I've learned, right. Through like kind of what I was just talking about was that we can do these really hard things and the smallest action can have a huge reaction. Right. So I had all of my young kids who ride with me create their own mini businesses and become little entrepreneurs. And they actually helped me raise the funds to support this horse who we have named Phoenix. Um, and they, we actually ended up, the goal was to raise $5,000 to support this horse for one year. And we ended up raising 10, 000, almost $10,000. And which means we get to support this horse like way beyond our one year. Um, and that we actually, in the end, will own him, which is exciting and scary all at the same time. So Phoenix is just a really cool representation of this idea that I'm really passionate about with Eck Wellness, with Heroes and Horses, that we all go through hard things and we all have the ability to get out of it, right? We have the ability to find beauty and magic and purpose in the pain that life brings about, whether that's because you were a veteran and you fought in war to defend our country and now are struggling, or if you're just a kid that gets picked on at school, right? And these horses are such a way out. So Phoenix is our, is our mascot now. <laughs> so what are your goals and plans with Phoenix going forward once you do get to bring him into your own barn? Totally. So he will live at Heroes and Horses for at least two seasons, which I was really adamant about because the guys have expressed that he's really awesome. He's a, he's a three-year-old, 16-hand black gelding. So he's pretty rad. And um, if you know Mustangs, you know that that's huge. They're usually much smaller. That's huge. So for any stock horse, really. Exactly. Yeah. He's a big boy. So you can imagine these veterans aren't little most of the time. So he's a really valuable asset to them. So I made sure that they were going to have him for at least two years. It might go on longer if they really love him. I'm super happy with that, but I will get to go out once a year to visit him and hopefully ride him, which is going to be awesome. Um, and then my hope is that he can really be the start of something totally fresh for Eck Wellness. So something that Nicole touched on a little bit is this difference between the horse show world and the therapeutic world. And there's this whole other side of this. I know that you guys have talked to people like Mustang Maddie, who I'm super obsessed with. <laughs> and yeah, she's really cool. Really cool. And, um, also just like so kind. She's sent me some really awesome resources just from reaching out via Instagram, which was so generous. Um, but my hope is that Phoenix can really bring this bigger idea about the horse human connection to my program, where it doesn't have to all be, you know, the horse show world is amazing for teaching things like work ethic, dedication, uh, sportsmanship, good horsemanship skills oh, I mean totally. like I I'm so thankful for that all-around background and learning how to you know proper position and hands and softness 100%. and leg and yeah it, it is handy but it's not the only thing in horse riding exactly and what I've really learned from the Mustangs is this man they have this like fire in them and this just raw wildness that is so 
transformative and so magical. And I really want to harness that and bring it all together, right? I really want to, uh, man, I can just imagine the things that he can teach me, the things that he could teach my clients, not even through riding, right? Just from watching him in the field. I mean, some of my coolest moments have been just sitting in the Heroes and Horses herd, like on a tree stump, just watching the way they talk to each other and interact. And it's like a freaking fairy tale for a horse girl, right? So I, I, you know, I really want it to be more than about the riding. I really think even for horse show kids, you learn a lot just in the barn, right? Just like by hanging out there all day, by watching the horses. And I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of untapped knowledge there. Absolutely. So you kind of touched on challenging times and whether it's fighting for our country or, you know, right now we're going through challenging times as it is with this virus that has come, you know, to America and, and now all of us are at stay at home orders. It's affected our daily lives. You know, uh, I think you and I were talking off air, your barn is shut down to the public. So that means that your business is currently put on hold. Um, you know, we face similar things with our bar, you know, Michaela's fortunate. She has her horses in her backyard, but like the barn I ride at is closed. What are you doing to, to get by during the coronavirus? I know you've kind of touched on some digital aspects. Are you, you amping those up? How are you, how are you staying busy during all of this? Totally. So that has been really interesting and challenging. Um, we got our stay at home orders on a Monday at 1 PM and it was to be implemented by midnight. So I had zero time to put anything together and pretty much went from a very, you know, I live in San Francisco. Things are quite expensive here. Cost of living is very, very high. It's actually the highest in the country. And I'm lucky to do something I love and work really hard. And I have made a, a pretty hefty, you know, income by working very hard and <laughs> doing what I love to do. And that got taken away from me in a matter of hours, like it did for people all over the country. So first of all, I want to say a huge thank you to Stanford and to be okay for doing the right things, shutting down and keeping me and my fellow employees healthy and safe. Um, at the end of the day, we don't have anything if we don't have our health. So that's like the first thing to touch on. You know, the second thing is finances, right? That's, that's important too. Um, and beyond finances is the connection I have with my community, right? I'm not, I haven't seen my kids in a, in a month almost, and I'm used to seeing them at least once a week. They haven't seen the horses that they love. I have been named one of the essential employees. So I am still going to the barn five days a week, which is great for my mental health and just my ability to take care of my horses. But I've put together a really rough draft of a dream that I've had for a long time. So for me, um, I was homeschooled in high school, went to a super cool high school, Bradington Prep. <laughs> a little plug there. <laughs> I also was homeschooled. We were, we, we did a lot of things together as yeah, kids. <laughs> so I've always felt like something that was missing was the idea that horses could be a once a week, hourly kind of thing, right? 
Horses were my entire life growing up. And I'm not saying that that's right. And I'm not saying that that's for everyone, but to be really good at anything, whether it's horses, whether it's dog training, whether it's running track, whether it's cooking, you have to do it a lot more than that. So I've always tried to be really, um, really good about giving my clients other resources, online resources, books that I'm into, podcasts that I listen to, things like Mustang Maddie that they can go watch online. And I've always said that I wanted to do it myself, right? I, I want my own podcast. I want my own online course. I want my own, you know, resources that reach farther than the barn. Well, this was my opportunity to try that out. <laughs> so everyone's stuck at home and I wanted to just bring the horses to them. So I put together a very, very rough course just using material that I could make by myself, using material that I already had saved, using you know worksheets that I'd put together. So it's just a compilation of videos and PDFs and little like, um, like podcast recordings that I made on my phone that they can listen to, workouts, yoga, meditation, things that have helped me in my equestrian journey. <laughs> and it's, it's, a beta for something that I hope to create later, just based off of, you know, not having time. I don't have anyone to hold the camera for me. So like my card sometimes runs out. I don't have enough space. And then I'm like, great, great. I've just recorded for an hour and got five minutes. So things, you know, I, I've hit a few walls, but it's, it's been really good practice. One thing I was going to ask you for our listeners who wanted to get involved with you and, at wellness or anything else that you're doing how so they will be able to access these programs at a later date hopefully yeah. or, or could they do it now or totally. what kind of thing could you do totally so everything is currently open and more and more content is flowing in as we get this shelter in place extended so right now all of my content is available via my website which is www.equwellness.org and you can purchase all of my courses there currently. It's also a really easy way to just get in touch with me and set things up. And I'm hoping to have a really beautiful finalized course sometime this summer. But right now, like I said, it, it is rough, but it is still good content and it's stuff I really believe in. And it's, you know, it's a nice touchstone to my program. And I'm hoping this in the next week or two to also start doing some virtual coaching so similar to what a lot of trainers are doing right now, you send a video in and I can help you. Now, people get in a sticky situation with this because they're, they don't all have, we don't all have our horses in our backyard. But what people can do is send me old videos. Maybe they have a horse show video. Maybe they just have a video that their parents took while they were riding, practicing, turn on the haunches that they couldn't quite master. And I'll reply with a lot of different content. And I'm also hoping we talked a little bit about you know, some of the different things I offer for my kids. I also have been doing little cowgirl challenges where my, my kids get to compete against themselves, against each other. They get to a lot of feedback. I'm going to do the same thing, a virtual cowgirl challenge, which is similar. You've seen, a, I'm sure, a lot on Facebook, these virtual horse shows. I'm going to do the same thing for my community. And my community does not have to be people that are physically riding with me. That's awesome. And maybe when you have that go live, we'll have to share it. So our audience can kind of get a, an idea of what it is that you do after they hear this podcast. Totally. That'd be awesome. We've had a lot of people reach out 
to us and say, I don't have my horses with me. So I think that this would be a great thing for them to access. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. I just, and in the whole thing with the virtual shows and, and Michaela and I kind of touched on this in our podcast that came out a couple of weeks ago. It, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it has brought this like huge community of just like positivity. Like I, I watch some of these virtual horse show classes and it'll be a woman who hasn't ridden in a year and a half because she just gave birth to her child and the horse is living in a pasture and she doesn't have a professional horse trainer. And she is putting her video out there for thousands of people to see so she can partake in this virtual horse show. And I see just like comment after comment after comment. That's just like, you're so brave. Like you did great. Yeah. Like, congrats. Like, wow, you look awesome. I loved when you did this or just like your horse is so cute. Like I, I feel like we missed that. And I feel like, Agreed. you know, the, like, yeah, there, there is a lot of great sportsmanship in, in the horse world. And I don't want to take away from that, but I feel like the negativity is really easy to see in, in today's world, especially with social media. But I feel like with the coronavirus, you know, there's just been so much change in the way that people treat each other and the virtual horse shows. I smile every time I see that come up on my newsfeed because it's just so friendly. Totally. I mean, it's a, it's an opportunity for people who wouldn't always have that opportunity, right? You don't have to trailer anywhere. You don't have to have a trainer. You don't have to have a fancy outfit, right? People are doing this and winning this in t-shirts and jeans, right? People are winning them without saddles. People are, you know, riding their reigning horses in horsemanship. People are, you know, riding their neighbor's ranch horses in horsemanship, right? So many cool things. And I would love to bring that to my community as well. Something, you know, a, pro a problematic part of that, right, is if I'm doing the virtual cowgirl challenge, not everyone is going to be able to do the same pattern because none of my kids have a horse in their backyard. So I'll find some ways around that. So it's more accessible for those people who are, you know, maybe they have to send a video of a walk, a jog, a lope, right? Maybe they have to send, it can be from different days on different horses, right? We'll find ways around that for that community. That's awesome. You've already touched base on how people can reach you via your website. Do you have any social media that you would like to plug so people can follow you and, and see all the cool things that you are doing? Totally. So I am mostly posting on my Instagram. That's sort of where everything happens. I'm also doing a lot of Instagram lives right now just to bring the barn to my community. So if anyone needs a little horse fix, you can borrow my ponies via Instagram live. I have two Instagrams. So my business one is at EQ, which is EQ underscore wellness. And then my personal Instagram, which you can follow too, is at the California cowgirl. And those link to my website, those you can find me on lots of ways to get in touch. Yeah. And anybody who's in the San Francisco area and is looking for a, a new community to be a part of, please reach out to Taylor because it's such a, a cool community and I love following what you, you guys are doing on Instagram and social media. And that's a big reason why, like, yes, I know you personally and we've been friends for a very long time, but you're doing cool things in the horse industry. And I want our readers to hear about those people, even if it just inspires them, if it just puts a smile on their face, if it makes them forget about all the horrible things that are happening happening in the world today like it's just it's a really cool outlet and I really hope that people come out and reach out to you after that 
Thank you. That means a lot to me. I'm super proud of it. And I, you know, I look back at all the experiences that, you know, we've been through and the way we grew up and it just, it's influenced everything I think that you and I are doing now. And I'm so excited that you guys wanted to chat and it was awesome to get to sit here and talk about all the stuff that I, I feel so passionately about. Yeah, I feel like we probably could have had a three hour conversation with you though, but it's probably best that we leave it closer to an hour. For sure, yes. Yeah, and maybe we can do like a, a follow-up podcast after you get back from your your next journey to Montana and hear more about your Mustang when you finally get to meet him. Totally, I can't, you can, yeah, him. <laughs> you, can, him. you can bet that uh, my social media will be blowing up. So if you guys want to meet Phoenix, he is featured a bunch on my Instagram. I actually haven't posted it yet, but I have his first riding video. So that's going to go out soon. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Taylor. Thank you guys. And after that interview, it is time to go to our time to saddle up section of the podcast. If you guys missed the last episode, it is where Michaela and I just kind of talk about what our favorite product, topic, event, anything in the horse industry, what we're liking this week and why we why we want to feature it. Yeah, so my item this week is another horse related item and that would be my PHT magnetic sheet. Uh, my horses are spending more time with some relaxation and downtime, so they've been getting extra time with their magnetic sheets. I have all kinds of other products by PHT, but the blanket or sheet is my favorite because it pretty much covers their whole body, and if you aren't familiar with PHT magnetics, be sure to look them up on Facebook, look up their website, I believe it's phtmagnetics.com. Uh, the process behind it is that they use the combination of magnetic therapy and copper therapy to help relieve muscle soreness in your horse and a bunch of other great benefits to using the product. My time to saddle up item for this week is not necessarily a horse related item because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I can't ride. Uh, my barn is shut down due to COVID-19. You know, I respect the owners for wanting to make sure everybody stays healthy. And so I am not riding, which means that it's hard to really pick a favorite product of the week. <laughs> um, but I am going to go with something that is Western related. It is uh, some old Gringo boots that I just got not too long ago. They are more of a fashion booty, but they are very um, Arizona, Colorado, has the cactus and the scorpion and it's just very, um, very Western looking and I've gotten a ton of compliments on them. So even though it's not necessarily a horse product, it is related to the horse industry as I have worn them to many of the events that we go to and attend. Yeah. And I think that's one of the great things about this time to saddle up section. Nicole and I both have very different horse lives. So being able to share our favorite products, they're going to be totally different products because one, we both have totally different interests within the Western horse industry. So we're able to share our favorite products and whether you own a horse or you don't own a horse or you're not able to see your horse, you live with your horse, you board your horse, whatever you do with your horse, this time to saddle up section is great for absolutely anyone. 
And on that note, that is the end of this week's podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for for listening, and I hope you're enjoying the new season. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.